Amen. What a wonderful thing to worship God for who He is and what He has done. If you would, uh, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 3. We will be looking at verses 11 through 18. The, the, the sermon title for today is Agape Love Matters. Some of you, if you didn't grow up in church, you have no idea what that first word is, and that's because it's not English. It's a, a Greek word, agape, and it is a, a certain type of love. We've already talked about in 1 John these things that matter. We, and a couple times we've already seen that whether or not we have love for one another, that is, even specifically, Christians for fellow Christians, matters because it shows whether or not we are truly saved. And so that, that's a wonderful truth, and it's a wonderful realization to have. But the problem is, many people define love in different ways. You know, I mean... It's just an interesting thing. If you think about different relationships in your life, um, I love my wife different than any of you other ladies, yet I still love you. And, and I love my children uh, in a different way than I love your children, even though I still love your children. And then I would even say I've got my friends that I have, uh, you know, grown up with and grown together with and be, our lives have intertwined and we've enjoyed one another. I love them even in a different way than I maybe love some of you that I haven't grown a close friendship with. And so it, it really does matter because uh, in the English language we just use the same word. I love my wife. I love your child. I love my friend. I love you. Like, we, we use the same word for all of them. But in the Greek language, that is not the same. The Greek language has uh, at least four different words for love uh, that are talking about the way we love other people. Uh, as I studied for this, um, I read uh, C.S. Lewis's book, The Four Loves, and so it was very helpful in this regard. I, I commend it to you. Um, with a discerning mind, you know, to, to read uh, C.S. Lewis's thoughts on these different loves that are used in the Greek language, which the Greek language, by the way, is what the New Testament was written in, and that's, that's why it matters. And so I'll give you um, the three of the four um, Greek loves that there are. You have uh, storge, which this is uh, affection from familiarity. So you see someone a lot, you're around them, you're close to them, it's proximity, uh, and, and so you're familiar with them, and you grow to have an affection for them. This, by the way, is the same love like a mother would have for their child, or uh, even a child for their mother, uh, but in the general sense, it's simply affection from familiarity. The next one is philia. This is friendship. You think of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Delphi is brother. Philia is love, friendship. It's this friendship that you have uh, with, with other people. This is, again, when you have common interests that, that you guys talk about. And the way C.S. Lewis says it is you, you find that you're a friend with someone when, when they say, Oh, you too? Oh, you do that too? Oh, you think that too? Oh, you enjoy that too? That is kind of what makes philia love, and, but it is a kind of love. Uh, 
and C.S. Lewis goes on this pretty deep of, like, we're afraid to say this uh, to our fellow brothers. Like, I'm, I'm friends with Dave. Like, we're, that's a safe word, but to say, I love Dave. That's what they were doing in the Greek. This is, I am friends was to say the same thing as we love one another. And they were not scared of that because of, um, we, we've kind of picked up a, a homophobia sort of thing. Uh, but anyway, this friendship love it is a deep and wonderful thing. Finally, there is eros. Eros is where we get the word erotic. Um, and, and so, but this is, this is not just talking about uh, sexual intercourse. It is actually more talking about being in love. That's the best way I know to describe it is you, you see this person and you just, you can't help it. You're in love with them. Everything about them, the way they look, the way they talk, the way they think, the way they act, you're just in love with them, and whether or not sexual things happen from that is, is neither here nor there. You're in love with them. And so those are the three loves that are not this agape love. But what's important is none of those loves are what God particularly commands, certainly not in this passage. I would say, actually, that there are places in the Bible that these other loves are commanded, uh, but here in the main love that God commands that almost every time when you read that you ought to love one another, to love your neighbor as yourself, to love your enemies, it is agape love. And what I want to show you today is that it really matters that it is agape love that we show. It really matters. Uh, it is a make or break thing. Let me tell you just first quickly uh, three reasons uh, why agape love matters, why God commands agape love, we could say. First, the other loves are incomplete without the foundation of agape love. So, by the way, it doesn't mean that I only have eros love for my wife. Uh, like, I, I should have agape love in addition to eros love. I should be in love with her. And same for, for Pastor Dave. I, I have this, you know, philia love for him. But there has to be this agape love or that philia or that eros is hollow. It is shallow. And uh, we'll see this more and more as we go. But whether or not we realize it, you, you say, no, no, no. There's nothing hollow about the way I'm in love with her. Trust me. If it's only eros and there's no agape love in it, it is hollow the no next reason I want to give you, all other loves spoil, or they become evils, you could say, without the foundation of agape love. So they're hollow, and they tend to spoil. It's like an apple or something that looks nice on the outside, but on the inside, it, it's kind of just spoiling. It's kind of turning. It's kind of rotting. You bite into it, you say, ugh, spit it out. That is what happens to the other loves I don't want to belabor this too much, but storge, affection from familiarity. So familiarity means I'm around you a lot. That can do one of two things, right? Familiarity breeds love, but familiar, familiarity also breeds contempt. Like that's a saying that we have. Familiarity breeds contempt. And so storge love can go one way or the other depending on how lovable that person is being at that moment and how well they are suiting us. And it often, by the way, makes us take people for granted. They're, they're just familiar and we love one another, whatever. We take it for granted. I mean, you hear that at funerals, right? 
I didn't know how much I loved them until they were gone. That's that storge. You had the storge for them, and you didn't even realize the love that was there. Uh, philia can, can become an evil in that, uh, number one, it can become a kind of a clique. We get friendships that can become a clique of, famili- sorry, of superiority, a group of people who, uh, you know, think they are better than everyone else, and everyone else, you know, knows they think that. In addition, philia, or this friendship love, can become a, a gathering of yes-men. You think that's okay? Well, okay, cool, let's do that. Like, you're just friends, and, and so you just tell each other what you want to hear rather than what you need to hear. And I would even say, if your friendship is based on something bad— what is going to happen? You're only going to encourage that bad thing. You see this all through history. <laughs> you see, many great movements, by the way, have happened from friendships. People who are passionate about the same thing and amazing things happen, but also terrible things have happened. What happened when a certain man named Adolf met some people who said, oh, you don't like Jews either? You got Nazism. You, you, you got this horrible thing. What happened when a group of Jewish men said, man, I, I study the law and I'm, I'm a very righteous man. You get Phariseeism and these are the people who put Jesus on the cross, right? These movements, they don't always consist of good things. So friendship, philia, can be just as evil as good. So without agape love, it spoils. Finally, Eros, being in love, uh, can actually become sort of an addiction. I have known many, many people uh, growing up who the idea of falling in love, having this infatuation with another person and gaining their love in return, that becomes a sort of sport for them. They're, They're chasing the next high of falling in love, and they become the type of person who makes a lot of promises but keeps none of them because they just go on and move to the next person of falling in love. And of course, falling in love, uh, sorry, falling out of love is just as easy as falling in love. So those are my first two reasons. I'm going to give you a third, but they're incomplete. The other loves are incomplete and they spoil. Finally, the reason God commands agape love, the reason it matters is that it is the type of love that most imitates and reflects God. When, when you look in the Bible and you see that God is love, that doesn't say God is philia, it doesn't say God is storge, it says God is agape. And m- almost all the time in the Bible, when it talks about the love God has for you and has for me, the love that he showed in sending Christ Jesus, it was agape love. And so we, as, as humans, are, are created to behold the glory of God, to grow in Him, to become like Him, and then to go reflect that glory. And so agape love is what we most need to see in God, to grow in, and to go reflect, to reflect the glory of God. And so this is why agape love matters. And so the rest of this sermon, what we're going to see in these verses is going to give us some comparisons of what I'm going to call the worldly loves. I'm not calling them evil loves. They're, they're actually good gifts, these other loves, Eros, Storge, uh, Philia. They're good gifts, but I'm just calling them worldly. And you'll, you'll see more why later, uh, but it's just a, a designation 
and then of course agape love. And we're going to compare them and we'll see that here in the text. So if you want to go ahead and, and read uh, with me together, um, uh, follow along as I read. 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 through 18. It says, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should agape love one another. I'm going to keep doing that, by the way. Anytime I'm reading in English, I'm going to add the word agape, because I want you to know this is the specific, particular kind of love he's talking about. That we should agape love one another. Verse 12. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we agape love the brothers. Whoever does not agape love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know agape love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's agape love abide in him? Little children, let us not agape love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Let's pray together and ask God to help us in this sermon. Father God, I thank you so much that you are willing to condescend down and, and be our teacher. That you have given us these words written in the book you have given us to change us, to, to train us, God. I thank you, God, so much that you're patient with us in our failings and that you pick us back up when we fall down, which is so often. God, we, help, we ask you to help us to understand your command of love today. Help us to, to recognize the ways we haven't been obeying this command, even if we might have felt like we were loving people, said we were loving people. And to do that, Lord, help us to understand what the real thing is. Help us to understand agape love. And God, more than understanding, I pray that you would give us the desire to have agape love for one another. That is where the battle is won and lost. The battle of our heart, our desires. And so God, I'm begging you, pleading with you, that you would show us the grandeur of your love for us and the miraculous work you've done in our lives and help us to love one another. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So now that we've read the text and we've asked God to help us, we're ready to dive in. So let's go ahead and look at the first comparison John gives us to help us understand uh, counterfeit love, or the, these worldly loves, but also the real thing. Counterfeit's probably not a great word there, but... So number one, if you like to write things down, this should be in your uh, bulletin as well. Um, number one is worldly love is conditional. Agape love is continual. Worldly love is conditional. It mean, that means it has 
conditions upon it. There are conditions, there are requirements that a person must meet in order for me to show them these other types of loves. Again, worldly loves just being eros, philia, and storge, uh, friendship, um, being in love, and f- love from familiarity. But as we'll see uh, in a moment, agape love is continual. It's not based on conditions. It doesn't rise or fall, start or stop based on conditions, but it is continual. I want to show you this uh, kind of maybe in a strange way here from verses uh, 11 through 13. I'll put it up on the screen. I'm not sure if you can read that. I wouldn't be able to if I were sitting back there. My vision's not great. So verses 11 through 13, let's read these and see where, uh, and we'll see how uh, these worldly loves are conditional. It says there in verse 11, For this is the message that we have heard from the beginning, that we should agape love one another. So he's giving a statement. Here's the statement I'm working from. We should agape love one another. Verse 12, we should not be like Cain. So this is being used for comparison of someone who didn't show agape love. We should not be like Cain, who was the evil of, of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. So it's so interesting, I think, that John says, here's the command we had from the beginning, that we should love one another. And then he turns from that to this crazy extreme of Cain killing his brother Abel. He goes from talking about love to not only hatred, but murder. And so I say, man, why did he do that? And I wrecked my brain, like saying, why would he do that? I mean, isn't it obvious that we shouldn't kill one another? It's one of the Ten Commandments. Come on, like, why would you give this example of of Cain killing his brother Abel? Well, here's what I think the answer is. By the way, if if you don't know about the Cain Cain and Abel story, that's Genesis 4. And um, they make each of these brothers, they're Adam and Eve's children, they make an offering to God. Cain's was not accepted, but Abel's was. Cain got very angry about this. God talks to him, but he remains angry. Then he talks to his brother. It says, I think verse 8 in chapter 4 of Genesis. He talks to his brother. Then when they were in the field, Cain rose up and murdered Abel. And so it's just such an interesting thing. as we see that, that this is the example he used. So why did he use this for the comparison? Here, here's, gonna, here's my reason, okay? The reason I think he uses Cain and his murder as a, uh, the, the comparison or contrast from agape love is that Cain most likely, I mean, almost assuredly, had the other loves for his brother. Probably not Eros. He likely was not in love with Abel at any point. But, I mean, it doesn't take much, much logic to come to this conclusion. Adam and Eve are, are there, so you have their parents, and then you have only Cain and Abel. So they're pretty familiar with one another, and so it is very likely that, that you know, they went hunting together, they, they you know, would, would go gather food together, they would play together, you know, whatever. Like, they had this familiarity and certainly this philia, this friendship with one another. But what I want to point out to you is... Those loves only lasted while the conditions were met. 
Because I, I think about this, it's so interesting. This, it helps me understand Genesis some when I come and read this. Because um, it says, um, Genesis, again, I believe it's uh, verse 8 of chapter 4. He says, and Cain talked to his brother Abel. This is right after God rejects his offering, Cain's offering. And I imagine this, Cain comes up to his, uh, you know, person who he's so familiar with. He comes up to his friend and he says, can you believe that God didn't accept my offering? Isn't that crazy? My offering was just as good as yours. And I think in that moment, he, he wants, he expects Abel to take his side, to say, you know what, yeah, you're right, God should have accepted your offering but I don't think that's what Abel did. I mean, it says here, his deeds were evil, but Abel's righteous. I think Abel said, I mean, just do what God says. Do, you know, give, a, give a, a proper offering to God and you'll be accepted. And this made Abel even more angry. And so he no longer met the conditions for this storge love. You know, familiarity bred contempt in that moment. And this friendship was fractured because Cain didn't feel he was being very uh, kind to him. And since there was no agape love underneath, that love, those worldly loves, turned to hatred. And that hatred turned to murder. Murder, by the way, is the natural path of hatred uh, when we allow it to grow and when there is no restraint right? I mean, that, that if, there, if there's no restraint, there's nothing in us that changes our way, and if it's growing, and he's like, hey, we're out in the field, no one else is going to see us, he murders his brother, but the idea is that that's where our hatred would always lead us if we allow it to grow, and nothing restrains it. But again, my point here is, a, uh, sorry, Cain had love, but it was the worldly loves, and they were only conditional and so the relationship was fractured, in this case fractured by murder. But what we need to see here is that agape love would not do that. That is the implication here. That, that if Cain had this agape love, do not be like Cain who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. If he had this agape love, it would have superseded his storge love and his philia love that even when he felt he's not being very friendly to me he's not not very enjoyable right now there would have been an agape love to help him and to continue to love his brother rather than to murder him and that again that sounds like such a crazy example that's just kind of the way john writes he gives black and white examples here is what it looks like to not love someone you kill them but we do this all the time. People do this all the time. They're, they're friends with someone until that person, you know, isn't maybe helping them be so popular. I was in high school at one point. I remember friendships are often popularity <laughs> alliances. Or, or maybe when that person starts to make you look bad. Or maybe when they like the same girl or the same guy you like, all of a sudden... They're not friends, and I know what happens here is you get another group of friends, and now you're against that, them, and, and this is what happens. With Storge, again, the person is no longer uh, enjoyable, but they become annoying, and your love stops for them. You ignore them at the, at the very least. And Eros, oh man, we can, we can talk about Eros. We know the wedding ceremony vows. 
I promise to love you and only you. You will be my, or sorry, I will be your shelter. That's in my sermon, my <laughs> wedding sermon. And then uh, the after, after the, 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 the battle, after the fallout, maybe even after the, the divorce, well, I just fell out of love with him. He was being a jerk. She was being insufferable. And so the love dissolved. The relationship ends. This is what happens all the time with the worldly loves. They're conditional, so they crumble. But we need to look at agape love. I can just describe it to you. Agape love is the sort of love that looks to benefit others, irrespective of whether or not it benefits us. So Cain, it was good to have company, this storge love. It was even good to have friends, this philia love. It benefited him to love Abel. That's not how agape love looks. Agape love is looking to give them company, to give them friendship. Agape love, rather than being conditional, is something you choose to give. Agape love is a choice. Agape love is a choice. It is not based on conditions. Agape love gives freely, not based on the merits or actions of the other person. C.S. Lewis, again, in The Four Loves, says, Agape love enables a person to love what is not naturally lovable. Lepers, criminals, enemies, morons, the sulky, the superior, and the sneering. I love those last three. The sulky, that sulky person. They're just a, a dark cloud over them. <laughs> Nothing is ever going well. Agape love lets you love them. The superior the person who just thinks they're better than everyone else, right? And even the sneering, they sneer at you. Oh, what is he doing? It, agape love is what lets us love them because it is not based on conditions. And here's the thing. I said that it's continual, right? That was uh, the point. Agape love is continual. Even when that person does not meet uh, conditions, even when circumstances change, even when they don't benefit you, you keep on loving them because your love was never based on what benefits you get in the first place. Your love was never based on the conditions they meet in the first place. And that is how agape love is continual. I'm telling you right now, you say, I want God to love me for who I am. No, you don't. You need agape love from God. I Without God and without Him changing me, washing me, I am a dirty, rotten, sinful person. And I hate to tell you, but so are you. You do not want to be loved by God based on conditions. And in the same way, we are not to love one another based on conditions, but based on a, a choice to give a gift to that person, looking out for their interests rather than our own. Worldly love is conditional, but agape love is continual. Just think about how that applies to your relationships. What about your coworker? What about your neighbor? What about your children? What about your wife? What about us here at church? Continual love. Sure, you can have friendship love with one another. Sure, we have this familiarity with one another. Who knows? Some of us have eros. We're in love. But as long 
as there isn't agape love building that foundation, we're, we're, we're doomed. It will explode. It will fall apart. We need that agape love, both for the, the, the integrity of our relationships and also to bring God glory, which is ultimately what we are to do. Okay, so that sounds awesome, right? I want this type of love. I want to be in a community of people that are loving each other that way. I want to do that. I want to start loving people not based on what they're doing, how they're acting, how they're benefiting me. I want to start doing that, and that's awesome. You should. You should want to do that. But I'm going to tell you, some of you will find this very uh, uh, disappointing. You'll find it very discouraging. You're going to start to try to love with this agape love, but you'll fail. You're going to try to put on agape love, but it will slide off you just as quickly as you put it on. And here is the reason for that, that some of you will be incapable of agape love. This is number two. There we go. Worldly love is natural. Agape love is divine. By that I mean worldly love is, is natural, meaning it is very natural to have affection from familiarity. It is just part of how we're wired. We're wired as relational beings, so we see someone often. Maybe they're a kind face, they're friendly, you know, they're doing their thing, I'm doing my thing. And yeah, we have that just affection from familiarity. That proves you're a human if you have this type of love that has affection towards other people that you're familiar with. I think about uh, friendship love. I mean, th this is what we do. Like, we love finding people who have the same interests, the same loves, the same desires. We, we enjoy that. We enjoy someone we can laugh with, joke with, cry with, and they're there for us. That's only human to do that. And Eros love, uh, I, I believe the world has shown us time and time again, like, it is very human to, to fall in love with people. There's nothing special there. Anyone is capable of that. But agape love is divine. We are incapable of obeying this command of agape love without divine supernatural power. I think of a, a, a couple of texts uh, that, that just sort of explain this. Some, oh, sorry, I need to read the actual text first. Here we go. Uh, 1 John 3, verses 14 to 15. We'll see this, this, this uh, um, supernatural and this merely human love. We know that we have passed out of death into life. That's talking about spiritual life, supernatural, spiritual life. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we agape love the brothers. Whoever does not agape love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Do you see that at the beginning of verse 14? Look at it again. We know, we have assurance, we, we're confident, we know that we have passed out of death into life because we agape love the brothers. We know something supernatural has taken place in our lives. Why? Because we have this supernatural love for one another, this divine love, this agape love. And it says there, whoever does not agape love abides in death. Now that per same person 
could have storge love, philia love, eros love, all these other worldly, they could have tons of, they could fall in love all the time, they could have a million friends and just be so friendly to uh, the people around them. But if they have not agape love, they abide in death. And you can know that because it requires supernatural divine life to show divine love. It requires supernatural divine life to show divine love. Again, just to, to back these things up, Romans 8, verses 7 to 9. Romans 8, verses 7 to 9, it says, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. So that you could say the, the mind that is dead, spiritually dead. The mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. By the way, that law would include the law to love one another. It cannot, sorry, it does not submit to God's love. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But then it goes on to sort of shift here. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in, spa- if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. So that's the major difference between saved and unsaved people. The saved person has, has trusted in Christ Jesus, Jesus and received the promised Holy Spirit. Those who are not saved have not trusted in Christ Jesus and they have not received the Holy Spirit. They're, they're merely human. They are in the flesh, as it said there in Romans. And the unsaved person does not obey the law of God. Indeed, he cannot he cannot have this love, but the, the spiritual person, the person who's been made alive with this divine life, is not working from merely human power, but divine power. Romans 5.5, 5, God's agape love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You hear that? This is divine love, and the only way we have it is if the Holy Spirit has, been, has poured it out into our hearts, and He's been given to us. And then, the practical outworking of that, Galatians 5, 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is agape love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. This is what happens. The, the merely fleshly, the merely human person hasn't trusted in Jesus, hasn't received the Holy Spirit. They, they can have these other sorts of loves, and they will have all the deficiencies of those sorts of loves. But the person who has trusted in Christ has this divine love in them. Now, I, I, w- I want to point out something here um, that, that's just so important. In order to give this love, and this is why it's interesting, is agape love by definition gives, right? It gives. It's not looking to receive. So agape love gives, but in order to give it, you must first receive it. You hear me? In order to give the gift of agape love, you must first receive it from God. How do we receive this free gift of love? How, How do we receive the agape love First, or sorry, John 3.16, not 1 John. John 3.16, For God so agape loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him 
should not perish, but have eternal life. You have this life. You have eternity with God. You won't perish. You won't be uh, uh, punished for eternity. And you now have this eternal life. And remember verse 14, it says, We know that we have passed out of death into life because we agape love the brothers. We receive God's agape love by looking at the person of Jesus Christ, who was God the Son, who took on flesh for our sake. He bore all our sin and all our shame. He took that upon himself so that we wouldn't have to suffer it. And then he gives us his righteousness. He did that as he, he hung on the cross. He bore the weight of our sins. Then he rose to resurrection life on the third day. And he gives us that life and that righteousness. God demonstrates his own agape love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the love that we must believe in order to receive. And when you've trusted in him, you will see that the Holy Spirit will pour this agape love into your heart and the fruit of the Spirit will be agape love in your life. It's a giving love, but you can't give what you don't have. Agape love is divine. So I think that's just so important. Don't, don't try to put on agape love if you haven't first received it from God by trusting in Christ. This final point <clears throat> that I want to give you, number three, is going to be sort of uh, nuts and bolts of how agape love is applied, what it should look like in your life. If you're truly a believer, again, I'm not telling you to fake agape love. I'm telling you to, to, to look at the love God has for you and to let that come out of you. Worldly love is pretense. That means you're pretending. It's big talk. Worldly love is pretense, often. Agape love is practical. See, worldly love is often, maybe not always, but often more concerned with appearing loving than actually loving the people. And this could be in the eyes of other people. I want to look like a loving person in front of all my friends, in front of my family, in front of my peers, my coworkers. I want to seem like a loving person. Or this, by the way, could be you. You could be the audience. I want to feel like a loving person. I don't want to think that I'm a hateful, spiteful type of person. We want to feel that way. And so what, what often happens is the person puts on mere pretense. That is, they, they make uh, grand gestures. They talk about their love for people. They, they make big promises. But it turns out to be an empty, dry well. There's nothing actually there. Well, let's look at this in, in the, the passage real quick. Uh, verse 17 and 18. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's agape love abide in him? Answer, it doesn't. If a, if a person has the world's goods, so they have what could fulfill the need, then they see the need, and they actually close their heart against them, how does God's agape love abide in them? Answer, it doesn't. And then it says in verse 18, little children, let us not agape love in word or talk, but in deed 
and in truth. What's the saying? Talk is cheap. It is real easy. I'm telling you, real easy to fake like you're a loving person. To, to say lots of nice things, to say, I love you or I love them and I just care for them so much. But when it comes down to it, if there is not agape love that's there to keep it continual, even when it's not benefiting you, it won't be there. It will be an empty well. You'll, you'll go to the well thirsty and it will be dry. I um, watched a, a, a thing not too long ago. I forget where I saw it. But this person uh, was going around and interviewing people on Columbus Day. Columbus Day, of course, is uh, when, when Columbus came across to the New World, to uh, uh, North America, whatever, to the Americas. And people were so angry. This is a college campus, by the way, so this isn't surprising. They were so angry that we celebrate Columbus Day. Why? Because because of what Columbus did, we came and we took the land from the, the Indians. Because that was their big thing, this social, social justice uh, thing of, we took the land, land from the Indians, Indians, so we should condemn Columbus, not celebrate him. And this is, I mean, people were saying all this stuff. What about the Indians? What about the Indians? And the interviewer said this. So I was thinking, um, let's give it back to them. They say, what? Yeah, yeah, let's, let's give the land back to the Indians. And every single one of them that I can remember was like, oh, well, I, I don't know about that. <laughs> I just thought it was the greatest thing. Like, it's so easy to say, it's terrible what Columbus did. He took their land from them. Oh, okay, well, then let's just give it back. Well, I, I don't know about that. I mean, I don't know if I want to give my land back. Maybe America should. Well, what does that even mean if you're not— and I mean, it was just wonderful, the pretense, the show these people put on of how loving they were of these Indians, but it was dry. Let's give it back to them. Nope, not doing it. Here's, the, here's your opportunity to, to make it right with the Indians. No, I, I can't do that. That is how this is. I should just stop going. I'm going too, too long on that. that. That is worldly love. I'm sure you've all seen it, and I'm sure you've all done it. Again, I, I hate to keep picking on marriage, but man, those are some lofty promises made. They last for about a week, and that's, that's what the saying is, right? The honeymoon's over. Now you get to see what he's really like. <laughs> now you get to see what she's really like after the honeymoon, after that in love sort of starts to fade. Is agape going to come and fulfill those vows, or isn't it? Pretense will be empty, but agape has practical love that will show itself when it's needed and necessary, and it will be in all of our relationships. Let's look again at these verses. Um, I'm going to give you what agape love looks like, and I'm going to give you three points. Uh, they're all going to start with A to help you remember them, because this can just be a mantra in our, in our lives of what it looks like to have agape love. First, abandon your life. Abandon your life. By life, I'm talking about your wants, your desires, sometimes your needs, your interests. I see this very clearly in verse 16. By this we know love, or you could say we know what love is by this, that he, Jesus, laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. 
This is, this is what agape love is. This is how we know what love looks like, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. You say, well, am I just supposed to die for people? Like, what does that even mean? I, I, this is, I don't like doing this. Laid down is not a good translation, okay? Other times this Greek word is used for laid down. It's actually laid aside. It's used of when people several times laid aside their cloaks. They, they laid, I can't remember what else uh, in my reading, but they laid it to the side. They, they, they kind of stepped away from that thing. Now think about this. Jesus laid aside his life for you. That means his wants, his desires, his needs, his comfort, his security, he laid it aside. It was his. Jesus had 100% rights to his honor, his glory, his comfort, his ease, but he laid it all aside for us. Because, and this is the reason I make the distinction, to say laid down his life, we think about the cross when he died, and that is good, that's amazing, that's a part of it. But it started way before that. We're coming up to Christmas here soon, we got Thanksgiving first, I know. We're coming up to Christmas, but that was the divine laying aside of, of his rights, of his life, if you will. It talks about it in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 8. First, it starts with us as humans. Then it talks about Christ. It says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, that means he shared the same essence of God, he had all the same value as God, although he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God, a thing to be grasped. Now picture this. He laid aside his life. He laid aside his divine rights of honor and comfort and praise and ease. He laid those aside. He did not count them a thing to be grasped. No, 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 no. I deserve this. I deserve only praise. I deserve only comfort. I deserve ease. I created this world he laid them aside for us. And then it goes on to talk about how he did, how he did this even to the cross. I mean, this was his whole life. This was from, from Bethlehem to that, that hillside with, with, with hands through his nails. He laid aside his life. But it says there in, in verse 16, read it again. By this we know lo love that he laid aside his life for us. And we ought to lay aside our lives for the brothers. Abandon your life. <laughs> Abandon your right to comfort, to ease, to doing what you want to do. Husbands, fathers, I've worked hard all day. I deserve to put my feet up when I get home. And if that's cool with your wife and she doesn't need you in that moment, sure, great, do it. But if you see a need and you close your heart against her, as it said there in the previous verse, how does God's agape love abide in him? Lay it aside. Yes, you did work hard. Yes, you may deserve some comfort and ease, but so did Jesus. <laughs> He's the creator. He's God, and he laid it aside. 
school people, lay aside your wants and desires for your classmates. Don't, don't worry about how good you look, right? Like you get this opportunity to make fun of them. No, show agape love by restraining yourself. They make fun of me. I deserve to get them back. No, Jesus, we deserve retaliation from Jesus, but he didn't give it. Hold back on making fun of people. Show them agape love by standing up for them when other people are making fun of them. I mean, your coworker, just whatever. You say, well, but my coworker makes me look bad in front of the boss. Well, maybe you should tell your boss how good he's doing. I mean, <laughs> this, is, this is how agape love works. It lays aside our wants and our desires. But what if I don't get the raise? What if I don't get the promotion? Who cares? Life is short. God will provide. Don't worry about it. Agape love is what matters. Faith to God, trusting God, that's what matters. Lay aside your life. Next point, put on awareness. I won't go too long on this one. It says there, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's agape love abide in him? There's this idea, uh, again, of the worldly loving person who says, well, no one's here to see me give to this needy person, and this won't really make me feel good right now, so I'm going to close my heart against them, act like I didn't see them, and walk by. But that's not what agape love does. Agape love opens its eyes, opens its ears, takes its attention off of ourselves, and looks to the needs of others. Agape love is aware when someone has a long face. Agape love is aware when someone is going through a stressful time. Agape love is aware when someone is struggling financially or spiritually or whatever way. Put on awareness. This is making their, it says, think not only of your own interests, but also the interests of others. That was Philippians chapter 2. Put on awareness. Certainly don't close your heart against them. Remember the opposite extreme of agape love was murder. So right here, the, the opposite of closing your heart against them is to open it. Be aware. This is what I see here in the text. Put on awareness. Abandon your life. It's a good place to start. You'll be willing to sacrifice it all, even uh, your, your life if it requires that, your mortal life. Then put on awareness. See where you can lay aside your life for the needs of others. And then finally, put love into action. Don't just talk about how much you love a person. Don't just talk about how you'd like to see things go better for them. Put it into action. I see that in verse 18. Little children, let us not agape love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. There's, there's got to be real substance to our love. Feelings are not enough. I feel good things toward them. No, you got to show them because agape love is more than a feeling. It is a choice. It is a free gift seeking their interests. And it will be no problem for you to put love into action if you've laid aside your life, you've put on awareness, open eyes, open ears, and you put it into action. Here in a moment, we're going to pray together. But I just want you to think about the different relationships uh, in your life. The different people you maybe have loved in only worldly ways, but they lacked the, the, the foundation, the saturation of agape 
love. And so I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me, and we're going to pray together. And this will be kind of a, a, a communal prayer. We'll, I'll be helping you through this prayer. Let's do that now. Father God, I'm praying right now specifically that you would help all of us to search our hearts for whether or not we have ever received the gift of agape love. God, there, there may be people in here that have attended church all their life. They may have cleaned up some of their big glaring sins, but they have not received the righteousness and the agape love found only in Christ Jesus. Lord, would you let them realize that? That without this love, they are still under the weight of their sin, still condemned for eternity. But you, God, gracious and loving as you are, have given your Son as a sacrifice for those sins and to give them righteousness, to rebuild relationship. God, would you make someone your child this morning? Would you help them to trust in what Jesus did, to let go of their self-righteousness, their self-sufficiency, even their, their doubts and misgivings, Lord, and trust in Jesus? Help them to turn from their sin and cling to the Savior. God, for the rest of us, would you help us to see if there are people in our lives that we're only loving in a worldly way? But that agape love hasn't saturated that relationship. God, bring them to our mind. Bring faces and names to our mind. Maybe it's people uh, that have frustrated us. Maybe it's people who have hurt us. Maybe it's just people who annoy us. And we've reserved giving them love, seeking their interests because of that. God, bring them to our mind. And God, help us to see how selfish that is. That we've received your unbelievable gift of love that is to be shared and yet we are unwilling to pass it along. We've been forgiven so much, but we refuse to forgive those who have sinned against us. We are often annoying, and yet we can't bear with those who annoy us. God, help us to see how selfish that is, but also to see your love, to know the Holy Spirit is pouring that type of love, that agape love into our hearts, and to make a decision right now to put love into action. To be aware of that person's needs. Maybe they need to hear, hey, I know we had some relational struggles in the past, but I, I, I want to get past it. I want to show you love. God, help them to put that into action. God, we need to be more and more astounded by your love. We praise you for it. And we want to show it. Help us to believe that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And that is true even with love. That it is eternally blessed to love people, not looking out for our own interests, our own benefit, but theirs. God, help us to remember that agape love matters. And help us to do all of this, Lord, by your power, 
and for your glory, Lord, to show that you are love. All this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.